0: Welcome to the Weird Christmas Podcast. I'm Craig Kringle. October is a scary time. I mean, October 2020, not like Halloween. I bet you haven't checked your Farmer's Almanac lately, but this year Halloween happens on the same night as the full moon. That's creepily appropriate. It's extra weird because it's a blue moon, which isn't blue, but that means it's the second full moon in the same month, which only happens once every two or three years. This hasn't happened on Halloween since 1944, and it won't happen again until 2039. Full moon in October is also sometimes called a hunter's moon, which isn't ominous at all, especially at a time like this when... Well, look moon stuff kind of freaks me out. Normally, I don't get too superstitious, but a full blue hunter's moon seems like precisely the kind of thing we don't want right before a big American election. Especially not this one, where I think everyone's convinced that you know half the country is probably out to kill you and everyone like you. Doesn't matter which side you're on, that's just pretty much the mutual feeling now, right? Of course, if you're on my side, you're absolutely correct, and people who disagree with me might as well be animals for all the humanity we seem to share. And in that lack of shared humanity or belief that other people could turn into animal-like monsters at any second, and all this stuff about moons is my very awkward and forced segue into a topic i wanted to talk about for a long time. Werewolves. And not just any werewolves, but Christmas werewolves. Look, I tried to come up with a cool Nightmare Before Christmas Holiday crossover intro to this episode, but this is what you get. Just whatever. Full moon's coming, I want to talk about Christmas werewolves, and we're close to Halloween, so there you go. Now, I'm not making Christmas werewolves up. Turns out, if you do some serious reading on werewolf lore, you find yourself pretty quickly all mixed up with Christmas history. In fact, the further back you go, werewolves have less to do with full moons and way more to do with Christmas. I first heard about all this at my wife's family reunion, of all places. My wife's family's Polish, and her grandmother was the first of her family to come to the States. So one time her aunts were sitting around telling old stories that their mom had told them about Poland, and I heard Christmas and Werewolf in close proximity, and you know, it's like a moth to the flame. I bugged them with so many questions, and they couldn't figure out why their niece's weird husband was suddenly so interested in being social. I admit that I spent most of that weekend in a corner with a book. I'm not very good at parties. But one of them remembered that Grandma always joked that they needed to be wary of werewolves on Christmas time. She was kind of a way old school Catholic too, so she kind of said it a little bit seriously, because she said that children who were born on Christmas Eve were punished by being turned into werewolves. And that's all the story that they knew. So when I tried to figure out, you know, like, punished for what? No one knew. But I did some searching, and it turns out that this is indeed one old origin story for werewolves. I guess the idea is that God gets mad if someone takes a spotlight from his kid's birthday and turns you into a hungry rage monster. I couldn't find much more myself, though, so I had to ask the official Weird Christmas fact checker, Benito Sereno, to do some research for me. I actually keep him on retainer, pay him in comics, it's a long story. But I hope you remember Benito from the last couple of years. We've talked about Christmas comics and Icelandic Yule lads, and you're going to hear more from him because, well, it's just easier if I ask him questions than figure things out for myself. But really, Benito's one of those guys who just knows things in the old school way of, like, knowing things, not just being fast at Google. And I think I've mentioned this before, but Benito has a show of his own called Apocrypals, where you can get a lot of strange old Christmas lore, too, especially this time of the year. It's a show where he and his buddy talk about the Bible, and, well, here's how they put it
1: hello friends and neighbors and welcome to apocrypals it's the podcast where two non-believers read through the bible and we try not to be jerks about it my name is chris sims with me as always is benito sereno we are your sons of thunder and we thank you for joining us today
0: it's fascinating stuff, whether you're a believer or not, especially when they dig into bits of old gospels and texts that were not included in the Bible. And those are called apocrypha, which apocrypals. Get it? Yeah, you get it. Anyway, Benito is also a comics writer and a regular writer, and i got links to all his great stuff on the show notes. But there you go. Consider him established as an expert. Now let's get to the good stuff. Just a- I was ever going to have a co-host on this show. Like you would be the closest thing to it at this point. So not only have you been on it more than anyone else. Yeah. Certainly, you know, more than me and can, can talk a whole lot more with with only minimal prodding. So that's, that's the best part (laughs) about like, I,
1: I, I will, I will say there, there are certain areas and avenues where I have, uh, you know, knowledge, but I would never say, I would never say I know more than you, Craig. I would not. Uh, well, that's that's very saying. kind, but
0: no, I would I would absolutely call you an expert in Christmas. So I know you are humble enough that you wouldn't, but I would totally call you. I, a I
1: Christmas expert. officially Christmas enthusiast. I I don't call myself <laughs> I don't call myself an expert on it on anything. Well, maybe maybe I've. I've probably spent 10,000 hours thinking about Christmas. That's probably fair. See, that's so, that's
0: good. That's that's over yeah. a PhD, I would imagine, <laughs> you know, when you add it all up. Because I know yeah. how much time people spend procrastinating when they're working on a PhD. So that is more than a PhD. <laughs> True. So we were going to talk about Christmas werewolves. Yeah, man. Um, the first time I had heard about it was in Legends from Poland. Yeah. Because my wife's family is Polish. And I was asking her... Um, aunts and uncles about things that they remembered their mom talking about. And that was one thing like, Oh, you got to be aware of werewolves and Christmas night or Christmas Eve night or something, but they didn't know anything beyond that. And yeah. then I started looking around and there is some stuff about there about that. But you and I were chatting. You were like, Oh no, there's, there's a lot. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to pursue.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't um, know. If,
0: is that kind of where it's biggest?
1: Um, not just Poland, but kind of, um, a lot of uh, northern europe especially like baltic stuff um mm-hmm. the main source that gets quoted a lot uh, about uh werewolves from the middle ages is um the swedish scholar and and priest Olaus magnus who was a he was a, yeah swedish scholar priest 15th 16th century like late 15th mm-hmm. early 16th century he is probably most famous for his work what is it called the historia de gentibus septentrionalibus the history of the northern people okay it's a collection of folklore and history of northern europe basically and so it includes stuff from his native sweden but then also he writes a lot about uh you know baltic countries livonia which is today latvia and estonia mm-hmm. lithuania those areas gotcha. and um So you definitely have stuff from up there. You have stories from Norway, but then also, you know, werewolves are big in France. So uh, yeah, basically (laughs) Europe in the middle ages, you're going to have, you're going to have werewolves all over. Although it's important to kind of understand that, um, you know, for a lot of this time, werewolves were not necessarily super distinct from witches or even vampires. Yeah. Um, depending on where you are especially once you get to like greece and russia there's a lot of overlap between werewolf and vampire and the word for vampire might even literally mean werewolf or whatever like a like the varkalak or whatever if right. you see that so, term. that would
0: throw twilight fans into a- yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and then um and then you know once you're into the like the witch trials werewolves and witches are all kind of jumbled up so Mm -hmm. um it's not always um super distinct between which creature of the night you're talking about but um a really good source for info on werewolf lore especially from um, the middle ages not just lore but also historical werewolf trials and things my main source for this info is the book of werewolves by sabine bearing gold who was a a scholar, 19th century scholar, English. He was also an Anglican priest and uh, he wrote this book. He also wrote one of my other most commonly consulted resources, um, which is a book called The Curious Myths of the Middle Ages. Uh, I use and reference all the time on Apocrypals and in my own writing and stuff, because it's um, a source about really interesting things but the book of werewolves. Yeah. So he goes through and he collects as much information as he can. He, he starts in antiquity, right. And he tries to connect, um, werewolves to, uh, Greco Roman myths, like the story of the King Lycaon, who was transformed into a, a wolf as punishment for trying to, um, feed human flesh to the gods. And then looking at like the berserker tradition among the Vikings and that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, let me get back to Laos Magnus. That's what I was really doing here. Um, <laughs> if you were to Google "Christmas Werewolves," you would find a lot of sites that quote this bit from from Magnus. He says, "I'll just read it." He says, uh, "In Prussia, Livonia, and Lithuania, although the inhabitants suffer considerably from the rapacity of wolves throughout the year, uh, in that these animals rend their cattle, which are scattered in great numbers through the woods." Whenever they stray in the very least, yet this is not regarded by them as such a serious matter as what they endure from men turned into wolves. On the feast of the nativity of Christ, at night, such a multitude of wolves transformed from men gather together in a certain spot, arranged among themselves, and then spread to uh, rage with wondrous ferocity against human beings and those animals which are not wild, that the natives of these regions suffer more detriment from these than they do from true and natural wolves." For when a human habitation has been detected by them, isolated in the woods, they besiege it with atrocity, striving to break in the doors, and in the event of their doing so, they devour all the human beings and every animal which is found within. They burst into the beer cellars, and there they empty the tons of beer or mead and pile up the empty casks one above another in the middle of the cellar, thus showing their difference from natural and genuine wolves. (laughs) Uh, Between Lithuania, Livonia, and Courland, which is just another area that's part of latvia now so between those areas are uh, the walls of a certain old ruined castle at this spot congregate thousands on a fixed occasion and try their agility and jumping those who are unable to bound over the wall as is often the case with the fattest are fallen upon with scourges by the captains of the werewolves and slain (laughs) so yeah you know they they break into your house they drink your beer they stack up the empty barrels they uh climb on the top of them, then they go to a castle, try to jump over a wall. And if you're too fat, you get beaten to death and eaten.
0: <laughs>
1: normal, normal werewolf stuff. Um, so yeah, that's, that one is commonly cited. Uh, another one that you'll see a lot is from um, another work also from the uh, 16th century by um, a bishop's uh, Simone Majoli or Maiolus who was an Italian bishop and a historian? He wrote a work called *Dies Caniculares*, or Dog Days, which included a number of different topics, including werewolves. And uh, so, let, let me read. Let me read this passage from uh, Maioli here, Bishop Maioli. He says, "At Christmas, a boy lame of leg goes round the country, summoning the devil's followers, who are countless, to a general conclave." Whoever remains behind or goes reluctantly is scourged by another with an iron whip till the blood flows and his traces are left in blood. The human form vanishes and the whole multitude becomes wolves. Many thousands assemble. Foremost goes the leader armed with an iron whip and the troop follow, firmly convinced in their imaginations that they are transformed into wolves. They fall upon herds of cattle and flocks of sheep, but they have no power to slay men. When they come to a river, the leader smites the water with his scourge and it divides, leaving a dry path through the midst by which the pack may go. The transformation lasts the 12 days of Christmas, at the expiration of which period the wolf skin vanishes and the human form reappears. So,
0: Wow, that one's pretty cool because it's kind of in between actual changing and hallucinatory yeah, um, changing.
1: Yeah, that one seems to kind of be... Um, a mix of the idea of like real transformation and then like psychological lycanthropy, the idea that you're not really a wolf, but you think you are, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, But it definitely has the kind of the take of an authentic, the authentic medieval style werewolf where, you know, you transform because you've, you put on a wolf skin or you've rubbed your body with some kind of, so, uh, salve or something. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the full moon thing, a lot of people attribute that to Hollywood movies. Um, I think probably the first movie with a full moon werewolf transformation, I think is the werewolf of London mm-hmm. from like 1933, which was like universal's first take on werewolves before they did the wolf man. Um, that one's got the full moon, like even the wolf man, it's not the, the full moon that transforms him. Not until, Um, the second one where he meets Frank Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Um, But you do see the full moon as um, a way of transforming uh, into werewolves in, in France in the middle ages. So it definitely didn't originate with Hollywood at least, but it's much more common to see um, you become a werewolf because uh, you made a deal with the devil and the devil gave you a magic wolf skin and you put it on and you become a wolf or You strip naked and you rub your body with something gross and you turn into a wolf (laughs) or uh, you drank water out of the imprint of a wolf's paw, like a wolf's footprint. You drank water out of it. Now you're a werewolf. Um, Or to tie it in with Christmas again, it's very commonly believed that if you are born on Christmas or within the 12 days of Christmas – you will be a werewolf.
0: Right. And that's the, the Polish version that I had heard. That's what yeah. they said, that it's almost yeah. like a punishment for having the temerity to be born on the same day as God. Exactly. This right? is your curse. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, in some versions it is amended a little bit so that the, the curse is if you were conceived during the 12 days of Christmas, because you're supposed to be uh, uh-huh. abstain- abstaining, gotcha. um but or your parents were supposed to be abstaining. But uh yeah in a lot of uh in a lot of places if you're born on Christmas or during the 12 days of Christmas you will be cursed to be a werewolf um in Greece it's not a werewolf but rather you'll become uh, a Kalakansaros, which is their weird little uh Christmas gremlin that uh tries <laughs> to break into your house and coop right. in all your food
0: and who was on they were on supernatural i think yeah um which i think is where i first heard about them
1: i think yeah i think they were on they were on some show for sure. I definitely saw, um, a screen cap from that maybe even earlier today, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, I know since you mentioned about, you know, you had asked me about Poland specifically, um, the stuff I had on Polish werewolves, uh, let me find the page here. The Poles have their werewolves, which rage twice in the year at Christmas and at midsummer. That's pretty common in a lot of these stories. So a lot of times if, you know, instead of becoming a werewolf every month at the full moon, you become a werewolf at Christmas. Or if it's more than once a year, it's Christmas and midsummer, you know, exactly six months away. Yeah. Um, Hmm. According to a Polish story. If a witch lays a girdle of human skin on the threshold of a house in which a marriage is being celebrated, the bride and bridegroom and bridesmaids and groomsmen, should they step across it, are transformed into wolves. After three years, however, the witch will cover them with skins with the hair turned outward. Immediately, they will recover their natural form. On one occasion, a witch cast a skin of two scanty dimensions over the bridegroom so that his tail was left uncovered. He resumed his human form but retained his lupine caudal appendage.
0: <laughs> that gets really specific. Wow.
1: Yeah. Obviously that, um, second part didn't have to do with Christmas, but it's a Polish werewolf legend. So there you go. Um, but you can see the, uh, the idea of being cursed as a werewolf for being born at Christmas in the, like the werewolf novel, which is uh, the werewolf of Paris by a uh, guy Endor. um, like it's the, if, if, if you ask what's the, what's the Dracula of werewolves, uh-huh. that's it. Um, it was adapted into the hammer production movie, the curse of the werewolf with, uh oh, um, okay. with Oliver Reed as the werewolf, although they moved it from Paris to Spain for some reason. Um, and so he's Spanish, but it's the same thing, right? He's born on Christmas. And so he becomes a werewolf. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, let's see, you know, I saw that
0: movie a while back yeah. and it, that totally, I missed that or I just had totally forgotten that part of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty quick. It's kind of, I mean, the, the reference to it is kind of a, you know, blink and you'll miss it kind of
0: right. thing. But that's, that's crazy. Cause that's that I saw it within the time that I would have been totally on the lookout for Christmas things.
1: But that's yeah, weird. sure. Um, let's see, what else do I have here? Okay. So. This is from a historical werewolf trial. So these are real humans who existed who claimed to be werewolves. Um, It's two guys, but I'm really just going to focus on one of them. The two guys are Pierre Burgot and Michel Verdun. But I I just want to look at Pierre Burgot, who they called Peter the Great, uh, because he was big. Um, They were on trial for witchcraft and cannibalism. And uh, Peter says... Uh, he explains how he became a werewolf. He says about 19 years before in, during the 12 days of Christmas heading to a new year's market, uh, there'd been a terrible storm and it scattered his flocks everywhere. And so he went all around vainly trying to gather up um, his sheep and bring them together. He couldn't find them. And then suddenly three horsemen dressed all in black came up and said, you seem to be in trouble. Where are you going? And he says that he'd lost his sheep And they say to him, if he will pledge loyalty to their master, then uh, the master would take charge of his flock and protect them. And um, also that, you know, he would find them and then, you know, he would also get a lot of money. And uh, the guy's like, yeah, that sounds good. He says, we'll meet again in four or five days. He found all of his sheep he's convinced that he needs to pledge loyalty to this guy's master. So he finds the stranger and he's like, who's your master spoilers. It's the devil. (laughs) And um, so he uh, he forswears Christianity. Um, He kisses the the corpse like left hand of the guys uh, of the guy. And then he falls on his knees, pledges allegiance to Satan. He remains in the active service of the devil for two years during which He never entered a church um, during mass. He only waited until after mass was over and the holy water had already been sprinkled. And uh, he learns that the master's name was Moisette. Interesting. I don't know if that's supposed to be Satan or the, or the like intermediary guy. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, he... Okay, so he was given a salve, so he would strip himself, smear his body with the salve, and then he would transform into the wolf. I was somewhat horrified at my four wolf's feet and the fur with which I was covered all at once, but I found that I could now travel with the speed of the wind. This could not have taken place without the help of our powerful master, who was present during our excursion, though I did not perceive him till I had recovered my human form. Um, so, yeah, he goes on like that for a while, but yeah, he meets he basically meets the devil... At Christmas time and is given the power to become a wolf. And then he ends up on trial, obviously, so didn't really super get away with it. But so from
0: all of these things that you've seen, do you have any sense of why why Christmas is connected with this curse? I mean it, um, I know it's from all such different places and times. Sure, it, sure. It doesn't seem like one tradition by any means, but yeah that's what i was wondering like why what is yeah. it about either being born or or being conceived or something right. about meeting these guys on christmas that leads to such an awful thing rather than
1: what were you so i mean i think that i mean there's a there's a couple of possibilities that come through my my mind right like first there's the fact that once you you know go back in time beyond the advent of electric lights and such you know all sorts of all sorts of evil beings are thought to be out at Christmas time because it's the darkest, coldest, most dangerous time of the year. Right. Like uh, obviously you see this in your postcards. We know witches and fairies are out. We know ghosts are out. Um, obviously, you know, their whole thing about ghost stories for Christmas is is Mm -hmm. a whole thing. And, um, but you know, if you look at, if you look at Scandinavian legend, you got, uh, you have trolls out at Christmas. The elves move house at Christmas and at, at New Year's. You know, vampires are out on Saint Andrew's Eve. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah.
1: So, like Advent and the Christmas season are a time for all sorts of supernatural doings, and so it seems logical that werewolves would be tied up in that as well
0: in the mix. Yeah. But
1: I, I think, um, I think there's probably got to be a connection to you know, like real wolves as well, right? Which which have some, some association with that time of year. So like, for example, um, in Bavaria around or at St. Martin's Day, Martinmas, which is uh, November 11th, they have the the practice of uh, wolf auslossum, the letting out the wolves where the idea is like it's winter time. So we're bringing our flocks in from from the pasture now. And so originally it would have been like, as the shepherds parade back into town with their sheep and their cows, um, with bells around their necks, there'd be the ringing of bells as they come in. And the idea is the sound of the bells lets the wolves know that they're free to do what they want now, because the shepherds aren't going to kill the wolves for being out in the pasture land anymore. Right. And that eventually evolves into like, even once they're not bringing sheep in anymore. Now they still have big parades where the bells have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger over time to where they're now like giant 80 pound bells of guys proceeding through the the town ringing, you know, as there's kind of like competition between the different groups for who's going to have the biggest bell or whatever. Um, And, you know, so you got the guy in, in shepherd costume who leads a big procession of young dudes with enormous bells hanging in front of their crotches, basically that they ring by doing hip thrusts and it's super loud, but, uh, yeah, it's supposed to be the idea that like, yeah, it's wintertime. We're in our homes safe. Um, wolves are now allowed to roam free, I guess, you know? So to me, it seems like, yeah, yeah, maybe right. The idea that it's winter time, the wolves are on the prowl and that's, uh, that's actually, I didn't even think about it. Uh, the Box of delights, the famous uh kid's book said at Christmas um the wolves are running is this is the secret uh passphrase that gets repeated in that i hadn't even i didn't think about that until just now. I wonder if that's connected at all i don't know and then uh you know saint martin martin again um besides being the time of uh the wolfhaus you've got at least, at least Linda Radish draws a connection between St. Martin and werewolves. She she says that St. Martin's companions are werewolves. I don't know if she's looking at the fur-covered um, Peltimerthal, which maybe is, maybe isn't a werewolf or, or, or what else. I don't know. So I th- I think, yeah, there's something there, wolves and St. Martin.
0: No, that makes sense. And the other thing I was just wondering, too, is that. Winter is just when, you know, wolves get a little more desperate. And so maybe there are more yeah. wolf attacks and yeah, just they're hungrier. So they're willing to move closer. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that leads I mean, to legends, something like that could, but the Martin Mast thing seems reasonable as a way to, for traditions and connections to get sort of mixed up and made as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. I
1: think so. But I mean, even then, I th- I think, you know, I think the Martin thing is about, is a reflection of the, uh, you know, the natural, is a reflection of the natural world. Yeah. Um,
0: But that's one that definitely we don't have over here that it just the the Christmas werewolves are just something that definitely seems older. And but I guess it's not in places because like if parts of my family were still remembering that at least that had been mentioned, like, when you know, 50 years ago or something like that, then there's still parts of it in Eastern Europe that I think are still around. And other people that I, like, as I've mentioned this once or twice, I've heard random people say, oh yeah, I've heard that before. So it's, it's definitely something that still comes up and is still kind of in the imagination somewhere.
1: Yeah, I think so. But it's, it does feel like one of those things that's kind of been buried since the 20th century, you know, as, as Christmas increasingly becomes a children and family holiday and a lot of the the darker stuff gets left behind, which I mean, of course there's, you know, there's a major reaction to that and that's why we're seeing such a big resurgence in, uh Krampus runs and, and stuff yep. like that as people are yeah. trying to reach back into that uh, darker past.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So other fun little, little anecdotes or any other little, little bits that you'd found?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, there's other, you know, other little stories about uh, there's a Norwegian story about a guy who goes out And he forgets to he forgets to cross himself before he goes out into the woods to cut, you know, cut um, firewood. And they have um, a specific type of witch that her thing is that she'll change you into a wolf. Um, I forget what the word is, but um, he gets transformed by one of those and his wife is left alone. And then uh, on Christmas, she's visited by uh, an old beggar woman and she's kind to the beggar woman on Christmas Eve. And so the the woman is like, I think you'll have a good Christmas. And she's like, not until my husband comes back. And then she goes out to their, um, the, the, you know, the outbuilding pantry to go get a piece of meat to cook for Christmas. And while she's out there, a wolf approaches and is begging for the meat. And she's like, I, I would give you this meat if you, if you were my husband. And at that point he sloughs off, the wolf skin and it's her husband and he returns to her. That's a nice little, nice little Christmas story. Yeah. Uh, that I like happier. Um, yeah, I adapted that one and a bunch of the other things I've been talking about, um, into a story I wrote last year, uh, called the two gifts, um, where I use a lot of this werewolf lore and, and more, that's not all necessarily, um, directly tied to Christmas, but, Uh, a couple different anecdotes. I use them to kind of frame a story about, about Santa rescuing a child from a werewolf, but uh, it does definitely include that story about the husband and wife.
0: And you shared that, didn't you? Didn't you share that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, It's pretty cool. So I can put a link.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can. Okay, Cool. And so, yeah, I mean, if you were to read that, like I said, it includes a lot of this information and more, and I used as much authentic lore as I could without, you know, inventing so um if you're if you're looking for uh more info on christmas werewolves i put as much of it as i could into this story the two gifts
0: very cool so there'll be a link to that on the show notes for this one
1: sweet Now i i don't i'm just like there's um you, you know you see drops and references to christmas or the christmas season in more accounts of like historical werewolf trials like there's um Dies of Kalden who was a, uh, he was called the Livonian werewolf. So Livonia, again, being uh, Estonia, Latvia. Hmm. He was put on trial for heresy in 1692 when he was in his eighties. And he said that he was a werewolf, but he was a good werewolf. He was, um, he was the hound of God and his, um, uh,
0: <laughs> Sorry, Hand of God, Hound of God, yeah.
1: Yeah, and his story was very um, similar to the um, the Italian Ben Andante cult, which is um, at the heart of my uh, comic book series, uh, Hector Plasm. It's about a modern day Benandante. who the idea is they are people blessed with supernatural gifts who um, are meant to be uh, guardians of you know normal humans to protect them from um from witches and from the devil and they do battle they do spiritual battle with witches on certain times of the year and so um this guy has a very similar thing where he says you know I change into a werewolf um on uh St Lucy's eve and then I go then I go out and fight witches oh wow um so this is I mean this is a historical guy you can look him up um T H I E S S um but it wasn't just St. Lucy because like um the Ben Andante they changed four times a year what they called the Ember days. That's it's not just that's not just the thing for them. That's an actual like um religious uh thing. It's it's uh-huh. days that are related to to like Pen, uh, Pentecost, St. Lucie, Midsummer, and then uh I forget which one I'm missing. But uh so he said that too. But uh so it's like I said, it's very similar to the Ben Andante cult. But the idea is yeah, he would change into uh, a good werewolf whose job was to protect people from witches. And he ended up getting put on trial um, for heresy. <laughs> he was sentenced to be flogged and then banished for life. Huh. He was judged guilty of trying to turn people away from Christianity, even though he was the Christian. werewolf. No, he, was, which, uh, he said he was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. What a shame a shame for that guy. I guess the same thing happened to
0: the good werewolf in Harry Potter, right? Like, even though he's he's a good guy, they still got to get rid of him because he's dangerous or something.
1: True. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you can just find little mentions like that. Um, You know, it, it it helps if you kind of expand your search for not just specifically Christmas, but the Christmas season. So, you know, if you're keeping an eye out for, for St. Martin or St. Lucy's day or, uh, or new year or epiphany, you know, then you're going to get a lot more hits, but, you know, from a medieval perspective, that's all Christmas. And from my perspective, that's all Christmas. All Christmas. Yeah. So um, I'm definitely
0: leaning that way too. The longer this goes on. Yeah. And it's, it's, we're getting up into not just as an excuse to keep the tree up, but it just seems more Hmm. accurate.
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. I mean, it's, it's a little less accurate because of uh, climate change. <laughs> when, when you consider that so many of these things were built the way they were because, because of the changing of the season and when harvests were necessary and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, well. uh, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely, you know, I'm a Martin candle mist guy, November 11th to February 2nd. That's Christmas.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> I haven't quite gotten that early yet. So, well, I mean, I put my tree up early, but yeah. Yeah. Still is a doing anything for Christmas this year.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. For a Uh, We're going to have, you know, every year we do, we do a different infancy gospel. And so this year we're going to have, we're doing the infancy gospel of pseudo Matthew, um, which is a really popular one and includes the baby Jesus encountering a dragon. So that's a one I like. Um, We will as ever have a, a Hanukkah special where we cover one of the books of the Maccabees. We'll be doing fourth Maccabees this year. And we're also going to do two different episodes on um, Advent saints. So we're going to have one about Saint Martin, who we were talking about um, today. So like the life of Saint Martin, we'll do, and then we'll have a, another one that will cover um, Saints Barbara and Catherine of Alexandria, who are both um, saints whose days are in the days leading up to uh, Christmas. That's cool. So, um, it's yeah, it's a lot. Plus, we just came up with the concept for our epiphany episode, which we'll do after the Christmas break. Um, I don't want to reveal what that is, but it will be uh, pretty out there. So, uh, cool. so yeah, qu- quite a bit of, of holiday material this year.
0: Awesome. And then you always share your alphabet of Christmas, which I feel like by <laughs> now, if you're listening to this and have listened to a lot of the weird Christmas stuff, that's getting basic. Like you need to know all those 26 (laughs) characters and you should know them by now. And if you don't know, at least those 26, yeah, you got some studying to do so, but that's a (laughs) a good way to get up on your, your basics of Christmas creatures and legends.
1: Yeah. Um, And it would, I mean, if I could do doubles of some letters, there's some that could have more than doubles, but there uh, you know, some letters are more popular than others for being the first letter. (laughs) <laughs> of, of a name but uh yeah so i've got that i will have uh christmas stories uh up i always have uh, at least two new christmas stories every year uh i'm hoping to have more um i don't i don't even know what hopefully a new christmas comic this year we'll see oh, awesome um not just not just uh prose stuff but um
0: and speaking of did i did i hear right that there's not going to be a new klaus that's true
1: that is correct we're uh, taking a year of... off so obviously i have to fill that gap yeah um, so um i i'm planning on doing one um a nutcracker story i'm gonna do oh cool i'm gonna do um yeah the adventure an adventure with nathaniel Nooseknocker. <laughs> um, i like it so uh yeah so i'll have that and of course i've been doing my um my YouTube video series, um, that right now is updating weekly, but you know, if this comes out at Christmas time, um, most, if not all of it should be done by then, um, where every week I'm posting, you know, 30 to 45 minute videos on a different aspect of Christmas history and traditions from around the world, roughly following a, a calendar, um, you know, starting, starting at, Martin mess and then making my way eventually to uh, epiphany and beyond.
0: Yeah. And those are very thorough. Like I gotta say that's, you've done a great job of really cramming a lot of good stuff in there.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, So
0: Again, links will be on the show notes, but definitely something
1: to check out. Thank you. Um, Yeah. Hopefully I'll be able to finish it out. Well, Uh, you know, as, as of recording this, I'm only about halfway through the series. So uh, hopefully by the time this goes up, um, I will have successfully ended the series. That's awesome.
0: Cause you told me you were doing something for a class and that this would, this would help out with that. And then I was like, Oh, these are, these are good. I, <laughs> these they, are were, um,
1: they were yeah. a thing to do. They were a thing to do while I was quarantined. Um, I, I made some YouTube videos while I was quarantined. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I decided to continue. Um, I had also made some King Arthur videos, but I, I, don't think I'll continue that series for now. Right now I'm going to focus on finishing the, the Christmas ones. So
0: well, they're worth it. They're definitely worth it. So thanks. Man. If you're, you're not into reading a book and you need a video <laughs> to get some Christmas history, yeah. that's where you go to. Yeah.
1: Uh, I really appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Well, thanks so much for talking to me again. And I'm sure you'll be back again for something I hope, else. I hope so. I got to find out what other things we can talk about. Cause we're, we're not really getting full on obscure, but we still haven't talked about, saint lucy or saint barbara and actually yep i gotta say if anybody i think the barbara's would be kind of interesting
1: the barbara stuff is is very interesting and i think people are starting to catch on and the saint lucy too because they both do have their um you know weirder presentations oh, that yeah. i think people are starting to find out about
0: yep lots more pictures online than i've seen lately so yep, well cool well thank you so much and we'll talk again
1: all right man sounds great
0: To everything we talked about like Benito's stories about Christmas and werewolves are up on the notes at weirdchristmas.com and definitely check out his Apocrypal show even if it's just for the Christmas episodes. If you want more about werewolves especially the werewolf trials that Benito talked about there's a great episode of a show called Bone and Sickle all about the werewolf epidemic that's right in France in the 16th century. The show is all done by Al Ridnauer, who not coincidentally wrote a really great book about another Christmas monster you may have heard of something called Krampas? Don't know. Maybe you've heard of him, and maybe I'll ask him to tell me about this super niche Christmas monster that no one's ever heard of before, and maybe that'll happen before Halloween. I'm pretty stoked. Otherwise, I hope you're all doing well. Remember, you've still got time to enter a story for the Flash Fiction Contest. The deadline's November 1st, right after the full blue Hunter's Moon of Doom, and all the other details of the contest are up at weirdchristmas.com. And remember, if you like what I do, you can support me on Patreon. And I want to give a huge shout-out to two new patrons since the last episode. Ilana Cuomo, who has her own podcast all about Christmas movies called Netflixmas, and Nicholas Burgess, who signed up just a little bit ago. Thank you guys so much for joining the fun. And thanks to Liz Asphodel, who was a patron for a long time, and then wasn't, and now is again. And that's awesome. I totally get dipping in and out, especially since I'm you know, obviously more active at certain times of the years than others. I'm just tickled that you came back. But if you're not up for the full Patreon commitment, you can leave a small donation in increments of three bucks at Ko-Fi.com. That's K O-Fi.com. Links are all at Weird Christmas, or you know, just search for me on the coffee site. Or if cash isn't your thing, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Send me a note that you did it and I'll send you a Weird Christmas podcast sticker, because hey, stickers are cool. But I so appreciate all the love and all this begging is not so I can quit my day job or anything. All the money goes back into the show, whether to pay for hosting or to make better prizes for the story contest or anything else I can do to make the show better. In the meantime, follow the weird old cards on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook and Instagram where the Halloween cards are in full swing and I'm even giving TikTok a try. Just a handful of things up there now, but hey, why not try something different, right? If you want to say hi, hit me up at weirdxmas at gmail.com. And I don't think I've ever done like listener questions before, but why not? Got a question about weird holiday history or you want to know my bra size? Drop me a note. So until next time, don't let Santa stuff you in his bulging, sweaty sack. <laughs> Oh, and as happened before, I'm part of yet another network of Christmas podcasts. wanted to spread the love for some of the more unusual ones that aren't just about Hallmark movies or Rudolph, so take a listen.
1: It's Christmas! Hello, this is Adam from Merry Britsmas. I am a Christmas fanatic from the UK who thinks that the world needs to know more about the traditions, telly and music that helps make a British Christmas really festive. I look at everything from mince pies to Boxing Day to Wham! to Slade to the Royal Family to Doctor Who. If you want to find out more about a British Christmas or you are British and want a hit of nostalgia, check me out at Merry Britsmas
0: happy blooming christmas to you and
1: all um so it's not it's um i just kicked my cat um it's not (laughs) i didn't know he was by my foot